0: what's up fight fans you are listening to mma daily the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts it is wednesday november 28th 2018 today's episode back to the future (laughs) what's up guys my name is gabriel you can find me on social media on tv it has been a long time since we've done a show on a Wednesday, so I get to introduce her as my Woman Crush Wednesday, the always amazing Miss Kayla Beatty.
1: Hey G, hey Fight fans, thanks for being your uh, consistent crush. How are you feeling? I know you're a little under the weather.
0: Well, I heard your voice and suddenly I'm all better, Miss Kayla. What about you?
1: You're a professional, G. I know you'll always pull it together, especially for our favorite sport. I'm good. I'm excited. We have a, a lot. I mean, we have a lot to talk about, but there's just so much that it's hard to cover at all. It's a busy week in MMA, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I'll say like it is right now. We won't even be getting into Sage Northcutt being released from the UFC. And I know a lot of shows, that's a major talking point. But we know that the fans, you guys are looking for a different kind of convo. So I think we have a very good rundown. We're going to get into Chuck Tito 3, but I think we should talk about the fight that was probably more relevant to the MMA landscape, and that was UFC Beijing featuring Curtis Blades against Francis Ngannou. And Kayla, to just get right to it, Francis Ngannou looked like the guy we saw in the first five minutes against Stipe back in January. (laughs) That was a very impressive performance. He looked good. He didn't have any – he didn't look gun-shy at all, which surprised me. I thought he would have to ease himself back into it, but whatever he did between July and, you know, just this past Saturday, it worked. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, and I think this is what we wanted to see. We, we wanted to see that that was just a bad night that he had and that he was going to be able to overcome those, those issues, um, you know, mentally. Uh, yeah, he went in there, put that pressure on early through the kick, um you know was able to stuff a takedown attempt I believe and I you know he has that power where I feel bad Curtis Blades I think was trying to figure out how he could get in and it was just an early night for him it was that one shot that knocked him down and then just all those follow-ups it was an early night for both uh main events but good to see Francis Ngannou back um You know, and I think that uh, it just it makes that division a little bit more exciting. I think it would have been kind of a bummer had he just kind of phased out, especially you know from the previous fight and in that fashion.
0: I agree with you completely. I think it's more fun when Francis Ngannou is on. I think that Curtis Blades is a young guy who's gonna come back. Um, to me, the biggest thing was uh, uh Francis Ngannou. His spatial awareness, it really felt like he had Curtis Blades' number early. I know 44 seconds, you know, that is just as much, you know, luck and, you know, just being on and having an opening early. But really, it looked like he wasn't worried at all about the takedowns. looked like he felt very powerful in there. I think he just had that presence in there. And that's what you really saw. Curtis Blades just looked great fighter, tough guy. But quite frankly, I think he was still figuring himself out when he had that opening that Francis Ngannou was going to capitalize on. I do see both guys, you know, doing well. I don't think that Curtis Blades is done or out or anything like that. He's got a little more work to do. I think that Alexander Volkov is an option for both of the, um, in terms of moving forward to get him back on it. I
1: like but, that. yeah,
0: look, yeah, this is a great win for Francis Ngannou. And um, we'll talk about it because we'll also be doing a preview of UFC Adelaide. But Francis Ngannou, he's in a weird spot, just like everyone else in the heavyweight division because we don't know what's going to happen with, you know, DC. Is he retiring? So, Kayla, in the least amount of words, I feel like the easiest way to look at this is that we're waiting to see who the players are going to be in the new year. DC seems dead set on Brock. Okay. Scenario one, if he retires... I think common sense says that Stipe Miosic is gonna fight somebody for the vacant title. Now, let's say John <laughs> Jones moves up if he beats Gustafsson. I think that's a fight that we're not talking about, but I think could be set up for the UFC. I think that a you know, maybe a trilogy if Junior Dos Santos were to win on Saturday is an option. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of these players going on. I don't see Engano getting the rematch with Stipe for the title, even though you probably figure Curtis Blades would have got the shot had he beaten Francis. I just think that the first fight was a little too definitive, but I do think that Nganu sets himself up for no less than a top-three fight in the heavyweight division. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Like you said, it's just really finding out who's actually coming back. Is Brock going to come back? Kane um you know what's gonna happen with dc um there's just there's a lot that needs to be played out with just um some of these top names hinting at coming back and and of course dc making that um you know decision of will he fight again once more or just uh you know vacate the title but i don't yeah francis versus stipe doesn't doesn't like jump at me as being the one to go with i think that um like you said, kind of maybe him just kind of sitting there, seeing how it all plays out um, and seeing if someone like a Kane or Brock comes back, because those right there are super fights that I think people would get pretty excited about.
0: Yeah, and I think that Francis, um, look, he's got that style that just works for the heavyweight division, whether he were to fight Junior Dos Santos or maybe tied to Ivasa, a rematch with Alistair. He's not without options. And I think that's not a bad spot to be, even if you don't know exactly where you're going to fit into the title picture. So I see him having a good showing. I think he's going to main event something big in the first half of 2019. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, very exciting, very good win for him to get back on track. And like we said, uh, when we see what happens with this heavyweight division in the new year, that's when we're probably going to figure out just exactly what's, you know, Who's going to go where in terms of the matchups, but Kayla moving on. Okay. So, you know, that I was there live and I'll talk about that experience (laughs) secondary. I want us to start by talking about the actual fight Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz three from Los Angeles. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying, what did you expect? Who let Chuck Liddell out there? Um, Was it surprising? Were you okay with it just because of the nostalgia? So a lot of different angles to approach it, but I'm going to toss it to you. What did you think of the
1: fight? Yeah, you know, I didn't want to believe that when people are talking about Chuck being slow in there, I didn't want to believe that it was necessarily where he was at in his career. I just thought maybe he was kind of saving it for the main event and holding back a little bit. But he looked slow. I, he just didn't look like he really um, just, I guess, should be, should be in there in competition. And I don't know if it was a mixture of nerves and just being back. Um, but it just looked like he was either second guessing himself or just physically slower. I think him looking kind of for that one big shot. I, I don't know why he kind of fell back on, on going on that, because all I kept hearing is that he understands that the sports evolved, that there's other layers to it, that he's been working on that. I, I don't really know. It's hard because I know I, I've read a little bit. And, of course, I want to hear from you since you were there and got to experience the press conference after. But, um You know, when he's kind of hinting that he might not be retired, I just wonder if it's because he knows that he was holding back and had more in his arsenal and just for some reason fell back on that right hand. But I I don't know. I don't feel confident now after what I saw about him having a second fight.
0: Yeah, to me, the biggest thing that stood out um, was Tito Ortiz just looked powerful. And Chuck, um, great way to put it. Yeah, (laughs) second-guessing himself. Yeah, I mean, did you know he was still that flexible at 40-something? But no, uh, trust me, we all mentioned that. But yeah, you know, when you see Chuck out there, and he's just so gun-shy, he kind of had shades of Francis Ngannou, to be honest, Um, mm-hmm. from July. He just, uh, th- and there were so many openings, and you could tell, I think the biggest thing, you know, people were like, Tito carried him. If you ask me, I think Tito knew that the last thing he wanted was to just walk into Chuck Liddell's right hand when he knew he was winning this fight. I think that you could see in his body language that early on he realized that Chuck was not the same guy and he just wanted to beat him down systematically. Don't just go in there and try to beat, you know, just break him with that first shot just for the sake of getting him back. I think he was more workmanlike. And look, um, all things aside, whether Chuck was hurt, ring rust, timing, is he just slow at his age? I think the only thing that matters to me is the right hand that Tito connected. That, quite bluntly, was nothing. It's not about technique. It's not about power. That was Chuck Liddell's chin. Yes. Chuck Liddell does not have a chin anymore at his age. He's had a long career. He's just—he's 48 years old. And we knew that he was having issues taking shots when he retired eight years ago. Or six years ago. Sorry. So... When Tito landed it and Chuck immediately falls in slow motion, mind you, even live it looked like that. Yeah. that's when I knew it's like I don't care how many sit ups, how many rounds he's sparring, he, the, Tito Ortiz, even though he's got guns like uh, you know like an army, he is not known for being a power puncher. Right. It's one of those weird things. He's you know very ripped, but he's never been a one shot put you down kind of guy. For Tito to be able to do that to Chuck Liddell. I think was a sign of just where Chuck physically is at. So I think that was the biggest thing. I think that Tito felt that Chuck was a little compromised in there. And you saw that he just wanted to have fun and go for it. Um, go, looking at the whole thing as a picture. So why is today's episode back to the future? Kayla, I'm going to be honest. I'm sitting there and I'm very close to the cage. And it is the weirdest thing um, for fans who haven't followed us since the first episode. I, you know, caught on to MMA around 2006, 2007. Kind of, you know, Chuck and Tito were kind of on their way out. I was more Anderson, GSP. Those are the guys really dominating the game. And so to me, you know, especially when they both get to an age and retire, it felt so surreal that I'm watching Tito Ortiz in those black shorts with the flames and Chuck Liddell with the blue icicle shorts. And that's why I was telling people, I feel like I'm in back to the future. Like you go back and you're watching this stuff play out. It was such a weird feeling. And um, look, I know that's not, I wasn't watching the Chuck Liddell in his prime or the Tito Ortiz, but it really was a weird feeling. Also the ovation in the cage. I think there was a they didn't know, or put it this way, they didn't act like it's been six years. They didn't act like Chuck Liddell was 48. They had a very nice, solid pop when they walked out, and I think that just really does speak to their fans. Tito was not lying. His fans do show up to support him. So do Chuck Liddell's, and that's why this fight did come together. So, And I
1: think that's something, something to be feeling. celebrated you know, with both men, the fact that they can still build an audience like that and it's not necessarily because of what they've been doing recently but just what they have done in the sport and the careers that they have built and the fan base that they've built i mean that's one thing that when watching it today g like you felt the energy that people were really excited just to be there to see them back in the the cage again so i thought that was really cool i'm glad you brought that up too
0: Yeah, and you know, um, look, I'm glad both of them got paid, reportedly. I think that, uh, you know, how can you deny someone that opportunity? Uh, Moving forward, let's say like it is, Tito Ortiz says he's retired. I looked him in the eye. I asked him, he looks (laughs) like he's retired. I'm going to say that right now. So unless they really give him another, like a Vitor Belfort, another legend fight, I'm not going to say like another retiree. I don't think he's going to get back in there. Chuck Liddell, Kayla, I'm going to be honest. So, um, I've heard a lot of the talk, and they're all saying, you know what, he's a grown man who knows what he's getting into. Who's to tell him that he should hang it up or he shouldn't go out there? I think if you really care about Chuck Liddell and you know what kind of sport MMA is, you should be doing everything to stop him out there. That being said, he is a grown man who makes his own decisions. I can only say that I disagree with them. But I do think that he should not, now that it's all said and done, he really should never have been allowed out there. And there's a lot of people to, I don't want to say point the finger at, Chuck has some responsibility. The people who were around him, who maybe prepared him, who maybe talked with him, I think there are a lot of people who should be able to answer like, hey, did you know Chuck would be able to take a punch? Mm -hmm. And if you honestly know the answer was no, you kind of got to take responsibility for the fact that you knew what was going to happen. So that's how I feel about it at the end of the day. But what about you?
1: Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought up the whole chin thing because I think that was the most telling thing. If he doesn't have a chin like that, and for all the reasons you said, against someone who isn't even known for being a knockout artist, I mean, you, you can build your skills you can do you know uh you know learn these these newer forms of martial arts or build the skills where you didn't necessarily have them in your arsenal but if you can't take a punch like that um i just don't think that he has any business being back there and really there's only a collective few big names that people want to see those old guys fight it's not like they want to see just the whole older ufc roster go at it there's only a few big names that'll sell like that so i don't know i hope he can find somewhere in the sport that he can fall into place if if he still wants to be a part of it but i don't think that he should be fighting
0: yeah i agree with you it's just it is what it is um look I, i'm sure in the days that have happened since he's had a lot of people talk to him and i can only hope that <laughs> excuse me i can only hope that those people are having the right constructive conversations with Chuck because he's a guy I saw him at the press conference and he's talking to his young son who I feel like only came up to his knee Kayla Mm -hmm. and he's being so sweet and exciting and I'm like Chuck man think about this moment please I don't want them see I I don't want you taking that kind of damage at this stage when you got people like that looking out for you who love you so that's where my criticism comes from and I want to make that clear I want the best for Chuck Um, Kayla, I am going to use another movie reference. I'm going to tell you like it is. I also, before I was in Back to the Future, I also felt like I was in Titanic. (laughs) Now, you're probably asking why. Myself and a bunch of the other people in media row were wondering if we weren't already on the very, we weren't already at the very last Golden Boy MMA show. Now, there were a few signs live that were a little, um, how do I put it, lacking. So, What's for that? example, I don't think there was good communication, and there was a lot of little stuff. For example, about three or four fighters walked out to California Love, and some, <laughs> at least once consecutively. Now, I love that jam, but... You know, by the time the last person heard it, they were almost booing him just because of his song, not even because of him. Oh, my gosh. You know? So the fact that someone didn't like, hey, like, buddy, um, if you really want it. Okay. But just so you know, like, two guys have alre- are already going to walk out before you're even out there. Do you want to go with something else? You guys
1: have to pull straws. Who gets that?
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, at one point before the main event, uh, the announcer starts calling out the names in the crowd, like the celebrities. And he was like, we have DC, Chris Cyborg, Mario Lopez, the Diaz brothers, not once on the TV or on the big screen were any of these people shown. Hmm. And so we were all sitting there. I'm like, for real, do you actually see them around here? Or is he just calling out names? (laughs) Stuff like that was awkward. The biggest thing that we noticed, Oscar De La Hoya was in the building. We never once really saw Oscar in the cage, talking to people, nothing. It felt like he was very hands-off now that they were finally on fight night. And that, to me, said a lot. And a lot of the general consensus was, if Oscar is serious about this, don't you think he'd want to be a more active person, especially when we see him how he is with the boxing people and guys like Canelo and other stars. Right. So that to me, we were like, you know, look, the the fights themselves, you know, we all knew the fight card wasn't that good. Uh, I know that the live broadcast people said it actually wasn't too bad. The fact that they didn't have access to the UFC clips and the highlights did make it difficult. I know some people were saying, but to me, I just felt like, you know, I did that this is going to be a long-term thing. Now, I want to toss it to you because that's me inside. Maybe I'm too close to it. You, from the outside looking in, do you think that this is a long-term thing for Golden Boy?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I I didn't purchase the pay-per-view, and I wasn't there live because I was visiting family. um, But you Blue. know from <laughs> from what the consensus of what i heard from media you know people there um and just what i kind of have noticed going to what different press events and and just kind of uh reading up on people who have talked with oscar yeah i'm not very confident that this was um going to be more than a one time thing and i just feel like you kind of <laughs> saw it slowly decline um the more it got closer to fight night and the lack of Oscars presence there. And I mean, I, I think I told you G, it kind of felt like maybe there's a few guys that had some beers thought like, Hey, this would be a good idea. Tweeted about the idea. And then the next morning we're like, Oh shit. Now we have to actually follow through with it. Um, yeah. I just think the level of commitment, like you said, when it's just coming down to little things about how to put on a show, it'd be one thing if these were new people that had never put on some sort of combat sports event, but be with all the experience in boxing, you would think all those little hitches that went wrong wouldn't have been there. Um, I don't know. We'll see again. I just, if this was the way that you're coming out with your main event with a Chuck versus Tito, um, I don't know how, who you would find on, you know, as free agents to build <laughs> up another card that, is going to get people to buy it again. And I think that the lack of effort and promotion just kind of made it seem like it, I don't know, it was just maybe a one-time thing just to cash in, I guess. Um, Another thing that was brought to my attention is um, some of the paydays were released for people that were on the undercard. And, you know, one of the big things that Tito chuck a little bit and especially oscar we're talking about is that they're finally going to get fighters paid and from you know the information that i saw the only fighters that really were really paid well were tito and chuck um so i know that that kind of rubbed some some coaches and teams the wrong way too that you know you don't want to burn those bridges for the for previous events if that's what your plan is is to put on more shows
0: Yeah, you know, Kayla, to me, when I think about it, like, you remember Affliction, competitor to UFC, Donald Trump was behind it, big deal, right? Mm -hmm. When they got out there, they had Fedor, when Fedor was still, like, undefeated in so many years, etc. They had somebody relevant. When I look at MMA right now, honestly, I can't say that there's some combination of fighters out there for golden boy to scoop up i think they really have to hope that one of these ufc free agents in the next year or so decides that they you know want to gamble on golden boy mma and they try to do that because when you look at all the leagues you have ufc bellator pfl uh one fc clearly already getting some big stars now I'm kind of having trouble looking at the field and saying, yeah, I think that this guy should be the one Golden Boy goes after or that guy or these girls. There's just nobody out there. So when you're talking about building something, I don't really know what they're going to go with next to sell. I think they are in a very tough spot. I think they're going to be quite the developmental league for a while until they build up that brand personally. Also, listening to the fighters... A lot of them were saying, this is a stepping stone. Golden Boy is paying me for a one-night show, and then I want to look at Bellator making me an offer or UFC. They weren't saying, oh, yeah, I'm on the Golden Boy train. I did not get that impression at all from anybody besides, you know, maybe Chuck and Tito. So I think that this one, it depends how they roll it out. Free TV is going to have to be something. I don't think they're going to get another pay-per-view sold for quite a while. But, uh, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway developmental league is what I see. Also, Oscar De La Hoya, if he, I know that his golden boy is him. He, It's his name, even though it doesn't say Oscar, it says golden boy. That's his name on it. He has to just bite the bullet and say, look, thank you all for coming out. This is going to be a great fight. I'm going to toss it to my MMA person on my staff to talk to you about all the ins and outs because I don't know it. I'm fine with that. But this playing it absent and not throwing out somebody who's really, you know, taking charge, I don't think that's going to fly. I think it looks very unprofessional for a company that's known for being one of the top brands in boxing. So that's how I feel about it. But yeah, it was a a weird night in MMA, I will say that for sure. It was was quite the feeling. Moving on to some MMA news. This one, a lot of people are excited, myself included, but man, is it going to be crazy. Anderson Silva returns after almost two years. Actually, it's going to be about two years to take on Israel Adesanya at UFC 234 in February. Anderson has not fought since fighting Derek Brunson last February. Adesanya is 4-0 just this year since making his debut. And he's coming off that big knockout over Derek Brunson. Kayla, toss it to you. What are your thoughts on the fight?
1: Yeah, you know, this one has people excited. Um, I, I feel like it's one for Israel to just kind of one, it's not like I'm saying there's not competition there with Anderson Silva. It's just interesting that the way, especially after his last fight, the way where people were talking about, wow, we're really going to build this kid up to, you know, get really close to that title shot. I don't know if this fight in a win over Anderson Silva is something that will jump him through the rankings. I think it's just going to be really fun because it's almost like, you know, uh, old versus new, very similar styles. Um Yeah, You know, and and it's Anderson Silva, who wouldn't want to share the octagon with him. So I think it's a very fun fight. Um, You know, I'm not counting Anderson Silva out. He is one of the greats, the greatest in G's opinion, I believe. Um, Yes, sir. And it'll be interesting because it'll just be interesting to see, you know, how he goes about this fight. If, um, you know, his older tricks will be able to, uh, you know, compete against... Israel, but I just feel like speed is really going to just be play a big factor here. So it doesn't get me super excited as far as like level of competition and it being like a really great fight. I hope I'm, you know, surprised. Um, But I think it's a fun fight. What do you think, G?
0: I think when you think about Anderson Silva doing his thing and Israel Adesanya doing his thing, how could you not love it? That being said, I am a little perplexed. I think that Anderson is being used to feed Israel out of Sonia. And quite frankly, and we talked about this when Anderson's suspension was lifted, you kind of want the right style matchups. I said it. I love Anderson Silva, probably more than any other fighter on the roster, and that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. But I also never expected him to take out, you know, Jacare, Rocco, Whitaker, Romero etc to go on another title run at his age the game is just what it is the fighters are just who they are now um so for him to fight israel the thing i keep going back to it is on the feet which is where i expect this i think that israel is anderson silva 2.0 now the jujitsu and grappling could be the x factor i don't see them going there but it is out there i trust anderson Silva over Israel every day of the week and twice on Sunday to win a grappling contest with Israel. But once again, I think that Israel, he's kind of taken these pages. He's seen Anderson, he's seen John Jones. He's the evolved version. And once again, no disrespect, Anderson Silva, when he's on, I don't care who you are, he can do damage. So I do, I hope to be pleasantly surprised, but you know, strictly speaking, Yes, it is a very tough challenge in front of him to take out a guy like Israel, who is from New Zealand, very close to Australia. And I think that he is going to have quite the buzz going in. And you have to imagine kind of that cross country, the neighborhood country rivalry, maybe with Whitaker and himself when it's all over. So I do think that Israel Adesanya is just surging right now. It's going to be a tall order for Anderson Silva. Let me ask you, Kayla, because the middleweight division, it's a little weird. I think that Israel is the man of the moment right now with this fight. Where do you think a guy like Paulo Costa fits into the picture? Because I feel like it's him and Costa who are the two guys who's actually going to break through to be the next title contender.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, what surprised me with this fight announced, it makes me feel like Israel isn't worried about where the UFC is going with his career because I think if he thought like, Oh man, I got to keep climbing through the rankings and fight, you know, um, the top contender guys, because he was already, I think throwing out saying I wants a title like his second fight in the fact that he's kind of taking more of just a fun stylistic, um, you know, versus a former champ. This makes me feel like the UFC has sat down with him and said, look, we have plans for you. Um, and you know if you want to headline a fight or co or whatever you know something with anderson silva don't worry like you'll get a title you know eliminator fight or something after um and then also something else i saw g anderson silva came out i think today saying that dana white promised him a title shot if he beats israel so um going back to Paulo costa i just feel like he of course is someone that's on everyone's radar but I just think that he's maybe not as in with um matchmakers and and corporate side of UFC. I think uh <coughs> Israel seems to be more comfortable just about where he's he's being marketed and and his MMA career because we know that some are obviously taken care of a little bit differently than others.
0: You know, and we're going to talk about this with Kamar Usman in a bit. <laughs> I think it's about marketing Israel, uh, they're both fantastic fighters. I mean, Paulo Costa might be the biggest middleweight you're ever going to see in the history of MMA. Um, Israel just knows how to talk better, and that, quite frankly, is a very big part of the game. I'm not saying it's wrong for Paulo Costa to be the more quiet guy. I personally am a lot of the time, you know, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> so nothing wrong with Paulo being more chill, but you also got to understand... Marketing is just as important in winning when you talk about who's going to be a star and who's going to get a title shot first. I think Colby Covington is a great example of that also. So I think that that's really the only thing. Looking at it, Anderson Silva is a legend. I don't know how you could give it to him over a guy like Jacare, for example, because the way I see it, let's say... um I'm going to take this fight out of the way, but I think looking at the middleweight title picture after Kelvin, I would say it's probably Jacare, Israel, then Paulo Costa. Now, obviously, Israel wins. You know, he kind of leaps, frogs Jacare a bit. That being said, I feel like Paulo Costa, let's say he were to come back and fight a guy like Joel Romero and win. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I feel like they're setting those guys up. It looks like Israel will be the first to a title shot if he wins. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if he faces Paulo by the end of the year. I think that's how it's going to work out and um look, you got a guy like Robert Whitaker who could screw the plans up also or you know, maybe Paulo Costa Jokeray throws a wrench in those works. You never know, but that right now is where I see it going. I think that you're about to have a bit of a log jam and you're going to see one or two of these guys just have to get burned for another contender when they're finally matched up together. So that's what I think we're going to see. But I'm not going to lie. I thought it would be Adesanya versus Jacare at the end of the day. The Anderson fight is surprising to me, just with the rankings and everything. Also, I'll say this. I think Anderson getting a title shot, I just... I know it doesn't make sense. Once again, I love Anderson. It just doesn't make sense. But, you know... That is MMA World Today, so we're going to run with it, but I'm looking (laughs) forward to it. Moving on, Kayla, I need you to send positive vibes that the MMA gods bless me with my health back in the next 72 hours because we have (laughs) not one, not two, not three, four fights coming up this weekend bellator is having a double feature and the ufc is having a double feature friday and saturday back-to-back fight nights for both companies i'm getting a headache i'm getting tired just thinking about it <laughs> um oh my lord i don't know if i can do this i'm gonna have to call in sick I, I don't think i can that's too much action Um, Let's break down Bellator real quick, Kayla. Bellator 210, Chidi Njikwani against John Salter. Obviously, Njikwani doing well in the middleweight division. John Salter coming off that loss to upcoming title challenger, Rafael Lovato Jr. Kayla, I think that when you look at the cards, I know they have fighters like Christina Williams and others on the undercard. I know the main event, Makes this one feel very forgotten. But I think this is a big one for the middleweight division. And if something happens between uh, Leoto and uh, Rafael Carvalho, I wouldn't be surprised if we see another middleweight challenger out of that one. So I think that even though a lot of people are probably going to skip it, I understand how it works. I do think that's a big card for the middleweight division. I do think that's going to be the better night at Bellator. Next one, Bellator 211. From Genoa, Italy, this one featuring, obviously, the most famous Italian in MMA, yeah. Alessio Sakara, taking on Kent Capunyan. I want to say that's how you say his name. Um, look, just, uh, I'll say it like it is. They kind of just throw in Alessio Sakara just to have an Italian in the main event. But I do think that's another one that's just going to fly wow. underneath everybody. But what are your thoughts on the weekend for Bellator?
1: Well, my first thought is I think you pour yourself a nice big glass of Dayquil, make some chicken noodle (laughs) soup, get on your favorite uh, Anderson Silva Snuggie, and enjoy the fight. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I I actually appreciate that you wrote down some notes here on Cheedy because I hadn't even realized that he was 18-5 and and only had one loss in his last last 11 fights. And I think that's, um, like you said, it's a big fight for middleweight I'm sleeping a little bit on um, some of Bellator's, I guess, talent, you know, that aren't these big names or aren't the ones that we hear a lot, or maybe just aren't the ones that are, are pushed on the West coast, because that is usually when we're tuning in and covering Bellator is when it's more people from our neck of the woods. But um, yep. yeah, I mean that right there makes me a little more intrigued to just tune in because I think <laughs> you have a good point. If something happens with that fight between um you know, Lovato and Musassi. Um yeah. we, could see, we could see a rematch or one of these guys um, coming in. So, and you know, yeah, Bellator 211, again, like you said, it's kind of targeted more towards um, Italy and, and that area's uh, fighters. I think these are always nice to kind of just check in on. I don't know if I will be able to commit fully to, you know, having several screens set up, but this is also where you see some of the better performances because those people are trying to make a name for themselves and it's people you're, you might be sleeping on so I always like tuning in and at least checking Twitter to see if something crazy happened
0: yeah also I don't know if it's Italy or another one it's one of these uh, Eastern European you know much deeper into Europe than just uh, England or Ireland that one of them it's like uh, what's it called the arena will actually empty earlier even before the main event because public transportation actually shuts down oh and my that's gosh. how a lot of people get around yes so they said well, what happened to everybody before the main event? And they were like, well, the train stopped running at about, you know, so-and-so time. They kind of had to weigh their options. And
1: Poor Bellator. They decided- Bellator always has yeah. an issue where it's like the fans, I mean, in this case, the fans physically there, like, <laughs> that, that must be hard to sell tickets. Like, you can come see this great fight, but you won't even be able to be there for the main event. Like, their timing always has issues. <laughs>
0: Well, you know what the one that a lot of us were also talking about was they are now on The Zone, but due to the rules of Paramount Network, they can't even stream the, for example, the last fight with Pitbull live because of the broadcasting deal. So even though there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to watch the Pitbull versus Sanchez fight live um, on a streaming service, they still had to tape delay it, even if you're paying for The oh, yeah, Zone.
1: Yeah. That's
0: Scott Coker. I know you know what this looks like, man. I think that's got to be a priority. I think that should be a bigger priority than your welterweight Grand Prix, to be honest, man. The fans deserve it. You know this. Let's make it happen. For reals. Can you imagine, though? Imagine we're hanging out in L.A. watching the fights, and it's like, Kayla, we got to go. But TJ is about to fight Cody. I know, but the train stops running. We got to (laughs) go, otherwise we're going to be stuck here until 8 a.m. You
1: know, G, I went to a hockey game in boston and people chose not to take the transportation and just walk through the streets to the bar a couple blocks down i think people mma fans should just say all right in numbers we'll walk the streets and you know take the long way home
0: i mean for, you for know that's, that, event. that that's because they're boston they're not la they do crazy <laughs> stuff like that they also have you know they have more reasons to get excited. All their team, like one of their teams wins at least every other year. So they always have a good year. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, that's something. But look, so with that's talking about the action in Bellator, some good stuff going on and things notable to happen. We'll be there for that next week. But UFC has a very important back-to-back that I think is relevant to the big picture of the sport First one, let's start with the Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, I've been keeping up with the show, Kayla. I don't know about you, but I think that the fights, I I do like who's in it. I know Panny is in it. Um, Oh, I'm forgetting it. He's that quiet guy who just knocked out Maurice Green. I like the fighters that we have in the finals so far. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. But I think the real eyes are going to be on Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kamaru Usman, welterweight. A lot of people talking it could be a title eliminator. Give me your thoughts on the fight.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of people saying that. I like this fight. I think it's going to be a really competitive fight. I'm going to go ahead and say that I think it will be the more exciting fight of the weekend, I think, as far as competition. Um, You know, we saw RDA do really well in this new division, (laughs) climb the rankings, um, you know, get to that title eliminator fight. And, uh, you know, Colby Covington stepped up and showed how not only could he use the wrestling and pressure, but also just being a mixed martial artist, kind of go in there and stop RDA's uh, train, hype train. And I think that Kamara Usman is someone that is very similar in that sense. Some people might even say that he's a little bit more powerful than Colby. But I think there's something about RDA that I've at least noticed that not only is work ethic, but the fact that he was able to move up in another division and kind of like have a good game plan usually like for a couple of fights of how to go in there and, um, you know, strategically win and, and train a certain way for a fighter. I do think that he learned from the Colby fight. and that's why I think it's going to be competitive is I think that if Kamaru tries to do similar things that Colby did, um, I, I just think that RDA is going to have more of an answer for that. Um, but it goes down to it. I mean, these wrestlers are really dominant, the ones with these strong wrestling backgrounds. And I think that Camaro um, himself is on such a great run that if he can pull a win <coughs> off RDA, I'll really be a believer um, and I would love to see the fight between kamaro and Colby too. So, or even a rematch with RDA and Colby to me has me excited if RDA can really pull off a great performance in this. So I- I'm super excited about this fight. What do you think, G? Uh,
0: to me, um, when I look at it, I've been doing a lot of the numbers and kamaro's record speaks for itself. Also, RDA, he's in that precarious spot because he wins, he's still in title contention. That's saying something. He loses, I, I'm not saying his career's over, but I think his time, at least at welterweight of being a title contender, is probably going to be done. I think it, it just is what it is. When you talk about Kamaru's going to be up there, Santiago Panzanibio, um Ben Askren centering the fold. Uh, you still got uh, uh, Colby and Tyron Woodley up there.
1: Ain't this sport brutal, about... G?
0: Yes, <laughs> and it's like, dude, um, like, I love RDA too, but seeing him still make it while his abilities are at the top, I just don't see that happening. He's been a pro for a long time, a decade and a half. I did the math. And, yeah, look, he's doing well right now. And even this, the loss to Colby aside – He is still one of the top guys at 170, and he is not out of it yet. I think, to me, the biggest key for RDA, he's got a very well-balanced arsenal. He cannot be afraid to go for it. I know that he's probably worried about getting taken down by Kamaru, Mm -hmm. but he has to go out there, use his punches, and finish with kicks. He's got to chop away at the explosiveness. He's got to be more unpredictable because that's what's going to make Kamaru hesitate to close the distance with that power or to shoot for the takedown. I think that's going to be the biggest key if you're RDA. Now, Kayla, Kamaru Usman, if I'm saying it like it is, I also feel like this is stylistically his fight to lose. Mm. He can implement the same strategy as Colby, and I think that his physical abilities are going to make it even easier for him. Or I do think he believes in his power. He only has one spectacular knockout, and I know that's the knock on him. We're kind of waiting for him to replicate it to get us excited. But he does still throw that right hand with power, and I would not be surprised if he tries to make something happen, tries to counter RDA coming in with that big right hand or what have you to get that knockout. So I think he's got two ways to win in terms of that, either use the grinding strategy like Colby or try to pick RDA apart in the middle of the octagon. I do think with his power, though, it's a tall order for RDA, plain and simple. You know, uh,
1: there's... You. go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to toss it to you. I was just going to get ready for prediction, but go for it.
1: I think there there's two fighters to me that, like, just I because of where they're at as far as just their divisions being so stacked, politics coming into play, you know, names coming in like Conor McGregor's return or Ben Askren being thrown in there. RDA and Dustin Poirier, and I'm not saying this, that I think those two should be matched to get like, you know, with each other, but the names RD and Dustin Poirier, just where they're at in their careers and how they've been promised certain things. And kind of like, all right, you said that if I win this fight, you know, I'll be closer to a title and they go out there and they perform and you could tell they're giving it. their all, they really went for this in camp, um, believing that they would be close to a title. Those are the fighters that make me want them to open the UFC to open more weight divisions because I do feel like sometimes they've had performances and those are just two that pop out, you know, right away to me, but there's fighters that really do perform. And I'm like, cool. I think that they are deserving at this time for that next title shot. But unfortunately politics come into play or they take that extra fight and someone ends up stuffing them and finishing them. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I just hope that, before RDA retires, it'd be cool to see in the, a newer weight class go in there or kind of things get mixed up a little bit because I still believe that he has a good run in him. But we'll see. Maybe Kamara will shut that idea down.
0: <laughs> Maybe he needs a draw.
1: Oh, I can't – I don't want this one to go to a draw, G.
0: Yeah, We need neither. a finish. Um, well, somebody's got to win, Kayla. Who do you see winning?
1: Oh, man rda
0: Um, i already know (laughs) (laughs)
1: what what do you think i feel
0: i feel like your heart is just telling you to say rda right now on the other side of this uh call um you know what i got kamaru i think that he feels like it's just his time i think that he's training and working like it's his time and i think that it's all coming together for him and i think that um I know that I'm betting again, you know, I'm betting the house on it, but I even think he's going to get that big finish that he's been trying to get for everybody. I think he feels like it's just enough is enough. Let me finally get that knockout. He doesn't want to have to fight Ponzinibbio next year before the fighting for the title. And I think that he wants the performance that allows him to make that jump. So I got Kamaru. Uh, I'm going to say second round knockout. Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't know. This one's hard, and like I said, I really—I'm already thinking it's going to be the the fight of the weekend. Um, I'm going to say RDA though. I'm going to—I'm going to believe that uh, <laughs> that he's been training with the right people. Um, I'm going to say RDA. <coughs> I'm thinking that he. I don't know. Something's telling me a finish on the ground, G.
0: Okay, maybe a head and arm choked like you got Neil Magny.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking that he's going to end up finding a submission win. I'm going to say third round.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> That's what guts so- telling me. Here's my thing. I think that if Kamaru gets a good finish, I think that he can afford to wait for Woodley or Covington next year. Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about when it might happen. I really don't know. But I'm assuming first quarter, if not at least, at the very most, the first half of 2019, we'll see that fight. But a good knockout for Kamaru gets him a title shot. RDA, I think he will still have to fight Ponzinibbio, plain and simple. I think that no matter how good RDA looks, the loss to Colby was just too definitive. He's going to need to take out one more guy before he gets in there for a rematch of Colby or a fight with Tyron Woodley is my prediction. So, yeah, a lot on the line, not just to win, but to win big, in my opinion, for the fighter finale, which you don't always say about all of them. One of which is the one coming up on Saturday, so 24 hours after that one takes place, we're going to have the heavyweights in Australia at UFC Adelaide, former heavyweight champion Junior Dos Santos against the young contender Tai Tuivasa. Kayla, I really hope someone goes to sleep in this one. (sighs) I want to see these boys just throw down and make something happen. Talk to me about it.
1: Yeah, well, there's a good chance that could happen. Um, I think that it's an interesting fight because I think that we've seen a lot of um, people from the states or just further away um, not adjust well to fighting over in the homeland of Tai Tuivasa or that area. Um, they say the jet lag is a really big factor that comes into play. Um, so I'm curious to see how I need to research and see how long JDS has been out there. Um, but he's got
0: over a week, maybe two.
1: Okay. That's smart. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, with Ty, this is definitely, in my opinion, um, his most challenging fight. I think that it'll be interesting. We finally saw him go out of the first round. And from what I remember, I feel like he looked pretty good. Um, I like, as far as conditioning, um, I do wonder, uh, I guess I, what my, my concern is, is, you know, he is used to having those knockout hands. Um, I want to see more in more in his development and, and evolution of MMA and his other skills, because I think JDS is someone that's you, you can't go into this only having that knockout power. I just think that JDS is someone that, is going to be able to stand and bang with you. And I think even though he is an older guy, still has a chin. I know people brought up the USADA thing, but I personally do believe that he wasn't intentionally trying to cheat. Um, I think he does try to train clean. And, you know, he just has not only more experience, but I think, you know, more in his arsenal of years of jujitsu to fall back on. So it's going to be interesting to see if he does stand and bang with Ty or if he's going to say, I don't want to mess with this young, you know, kid who's been knocking people out. Um, I know that Ty is very prideful about fighting in his country. And sometimes I think that that can either benefit the fighter or not because it's just putting a lot of pressure. So, it's just a really telling fight for for Tai Tuivasa. And I guess JDS, too, of, of being back, because we've only seen him back once since the whole USADA drama.
0: You know, the thing about JDS, and you look at it when you see his record, he's alternated wins and losses since, I think, 2012. Mm-hmm. It's really a weird thing. And I, I was writing about it, and I said, he's in that weird situation where if he wins, he's a title contender. He loses, you're talking about his time at the top is all, already over. And to have that dichotomy for the last year or so, it's kind of like, it's just odd. But that's the heavyweight division and how it works. Um, for me, it's all about stylistically. I think both of them have a lot in the tank. So it's not like JDS is the old guard. I know that he is the veteran against the young contender. But I do think that JDS has plenty of fight left in him. And certainly a title run too is possible. Mm -hmm. When I look at it stylistically, Ty does his best work when he he picks his moments to surge forward. He doesn't just try to bulldoze you. That said, JDS, when he's up against these bigger guys like Ben Rothwell or like he's going to fight Ty, he tends to want to get in and out. He doesn't like to stay in the pocket. That could be a very weird fight for him against Ty to Ivasa because one of them is going to have to engage the other. I do think it's going to be Ty, in which case I actually think that JDS needs to be the aggressor. I think he wants to start the combo first and get out rather than wait for Ty to come to him because then he has, you know, that wall coming at him. So I think that JDS has to be the aggressor. I do think Ty physically can just overpower him. Once again, pick his spots to come forward. And I think in that pocket, do damage. Even if he doesn't knock him out, just throw those big punches to the body. Make JDS want to hesitate being the aggressor, throwing punches with you. I think that is going to help open up Ty to be able to pick his spots to land with, to throw more volume because JDS doesn't want to get in there. I think that even if he misses, throw those punches anyway. That's going to be the key to victory for JDS. Speed is power, and I do think he's still the faster guy. If he can really start to wear down tie to Ivasa toward the second, the third, going into the championship rounds, I think that he could really pull this one out just with his experience and his technicality. So it's going to be a good one.
1: Predictions?
0: Well, ladies first. <laughs>
1: um, I'm thinking JDS. I... I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to tire (laughs) Ty out a little bit, so I'm actually thinking stoppage in the later rounds, the fourth round.
0: Okay. I actually have JDS too by uh, decision. I think that it's going to get to the later rounds. I think that Ty, you train with Mark Hunt, you got a chin like a mountain when you fight that guy every day in the gym, so I think he's going to take the best shots from JDS, but I think that JDS is just going to outland him I see a decision for Cigano in Adelaide. All right. So there we have it. We are split at the Tough 28 finale. I have Kamaru. Miss Kayla has Rafael Dos Anjos. And then we are in unison at Adelaide. We have Junior Dos Santos taking out Tatu Ivasa at home. It's going to be a lot of fun. Kayla, I have a very, very special surprise for you. Are you sitting down?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Next week, we have the fight we've been Max Holloway against Brian Ortega.
1: So excited about this one that's going to end up in a draw.
0: Oh, you did fight not just say year. that to me. <laughs> Who do you got? You know you got somebody. <laughs> I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna keep you on the air. We are gonna be longer than Ariel Helwani's show next week. Oh my week god! If you to <laughs> no one's in if we say that. This one is,
1: uh,
0: dude. This one. Uh, I've been saying it. There were two fights this year that were gonna be that fight. The first one was Tony versus Habib, which didn't happen. Obviously, I still think that Tony Habib, all around, was always gonna be more exciting than. Tony Connor or even Connor Habib. That is how good I thought that fight was. The second one, though, Max versus Brian. This one just, it's really a pick fight. It's so exciting. They have a great undercard. They have Joanna and Valentina also. So it's going to be a lot of excitement for you and I to speak on. I plan to be healthy. That is my goal for that show because I absolutely want to be at my best to talk about that one with you. So... I am excited, Kayla. I already can't wait for us to start breaking that one down. Kayla, it's another great week in the world of MMA. Where can fans find you to talk about it?
1: Well, feel better. Rest up, G. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they find you?
0: Thanks, babe. You can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.